0: Hey folks, this is Ian Foster, and this is If and When, a podcast where I talk to other creators about how and why they do their thing. To start, I'm talking to colleagues, friends, and veterans of the arts community at home here in Newfoundland and Labrador, Canada. These are not so much traditional interviews as they're a chat over coffee or something a little stronger. So come sit in and have a listen. Hi again, it's Ian Foster. Welcome to my podcast, If and When, where I talk to creators about how, okay, all right, I don't need to say all that. You just heard it in my little pre-recorded ramble there. Thanks for listening. If you haven't heard part one of my conversation with Shirley Montague, jump back to part one in your podcast app. Listen to that up to the moment she has to take a quick break to run down to the water taxi in Woody Point, where we recorded this special field recording episode. And now we're going to pick up when she sits back down with me in a minute. But first, some housekeeping kind of stuff. On October 20th at The Rooms in St. John's, Newfoundland, I'll be sitting down for the very first live episode of If and When with comedian, writer, many other things, the legendary Mary Walsh for a chat. You can come to this. You can sit in the room and listen to me ramble like i'm doing right now live in person but without the benefit of editing also you'll be able to check it out on the apps later of course but there's something special about live as we all know so come to that event october 20th at the rooms after that we're going to be doing a christmas tour tickets for that will be on sale soon i know i know it's christmas Like, I know it's not Christmas yet, but this is how Christmas tours work, and we want to know that you're coming to celebrate this season with us. We did our very first Christmas tour last year, we being Nancy Hines and myself, and we had a great time. And I think this year is going to be even bigger, even better. So, find those tickets and information as it's released on ianfoster.ca. Okay, we're just going to jump right in here. Part two of my conversation with the excellent Shirley Montague. Okay, cool, we're, we're rolling again. So you just gave me um, Montage, a CD of yours here, from 2005, did you say? I think
1: it was released in 2005, but it's funny how you lose track of time, but it was around then.
0: Right, so tell me about this record.
1: Uh, this recording uh, was the last all Shirley Montague writings um, that I did, and it was um, a real mixture of different styles and influences, and that's why it's called montage, because it's kind of like a, you know, a montage of of, um, many, many things. And it would be songs that I would maybe play, you know, live, and someone would say, do you have that on CD? And I'd always go, no, and, you know, and that happened many times. And I said, I think what I should do is just do all this stuff that's just you know, in a file more or less, and um, put it all together even though it's not going to make any sense as an album. So that's what I did. So I should have called it. Makes no sense. <laughs> 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 um, but, um, yeah, it has a one acapella piece on there, and it has uh, the silly song I wrote for my nephew about the duck that ended up in my house and, <clears throat> and some kind of little bit rocky stuff, and uh, it was recorded with the, the boys from The Catch, so okay. they put a few signature moments in there right? as well. and um, That's some, Mike. Um, Mike and Lou McDonald. Yes, yeah. They're my cousins-in-law. Yeah. I happen to be married to their first cousin, so that threw us into the mosh pit together many years ago. <laughs> right. Very cool. Mm.
0: Very cool. You know, it, your music is, um, it's been described, I suppose, as... You know, very focused on Labrador, but I've read a few comments from you that I really personally related to. At least in the context, they they seem to be going in the articles because, you know, I'm I'm from Newfoundland and I write songs, but I don't ever consider myself like um, like I'm not. I'm not trying to write Newfoundland songs, Mm. you know. I'm writing Newfoundland songs because I live here. And And that's
1: what inspires you. Right. And
0: and I always feel like that's the thing that makes it genuine compared Mm -hmm. to the other thing, right? Mm -hmm. It's the thing that I'm like, if I sit down with the intent of writing a Newfoundland song, whatever that really is, Mm -hmm. I feel like that will only lead me to mediocrity, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like trying to write... Just writing my experience of the world, it's naturally going to be about Newfoundland. I've lived in Newfoundland my whole life.
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: How do you feel about that? Same
1: for me? me. I would say it in the same way. Like, And people often ask me why I'm still so tied to Labrador, and I just say, well, I think you remain tied to the place that most forms you. Mm. You know, by the time I left Labrador, I was pretty much adult, and uh, you are who you are when you reach that age. I mean, little things will happen along the way to alter you or change things a bit, but that's the place that forms you. Um, And you know, I don't like, a lot of my songs might not be recognizable as being about or of Labrador, but it might be that one little lyric that will set me on a path of writing something and that might come from Labrador. Mm -hmm. I've written like more specific things like one of my I think the first song I ever wrote and felt serious about was inspired by an old friend of mine who um, we used to play music together and he was like a surrogate grandfather figure in my life. And uh, um, so I just wrote a song called Old Friend, simply, you know, about how we got together and played music. He played accordion. I played guitar. He taught me to drink before I was of legal age, blah, blah, blah. and you know. We all have those, you know, moments in our in our past. Totally, he uh, was a really a great positive influence in my life, and uh, so it could be about anyone, but that's where it came from. Mm-hmm. And and like I said, you know, and I wrote a song about my grandmother. the song is it's not so much about her as inspired by her. And I'm always careful about that term, saying it's about someone, or and I remind myself to say inspired. what's
0: your distinguishing factor there
1: um well if you're writing about someone it's um you know maybe it's just a little more specific and descriptive you know Hmm. about the person themselves but if if you're inspired by this memory or this person it uh lyrics will often you know find their own way and you incorporate a lot of little different thoughts into you know the uh, the song like in the case of the song I wrote for my grandmother uh, the song is called smoky blue and I whenever I dream about her it seems like she's always wearing this smoky blue dress that was a favorite of hers mm. and I don't dream about her a lot but when I do it's it seems like that she's always in this blue dress and One day I was just cleaning out some things I was getting ready to chuck or whatever and I came across this picture frame and it was laid on top of some wilted flowers, you know, or dried flowers that had collected too much dust anyway. So anyway, it was like the flowers were in the frame And I just thought about my grandmother like and how she liked flowers and you know, so all these Thoughts I put into a song, and um, and I feel that uh, music and flowers are somewhat alike because you can put any combination of notes together and make music, and you can put any combination of flowers together and make a beautiful bouquet. Mm. So. I incorporated some of those thoughts into that song which was inspired by my grandmother and it's on the CD that I gave you so when you hear smoky blue now maybe the song will speak to you yeah a little more
0: that's beautiful that's beautiful so I love that um, that there's that specificity in your writing because I feel like one of the biggest misconceptions about popular music and i'm using that term as broadly as possible basically the way Sokan uses it if it's mm-hmm. not classical it's popular music yeah. <laughs> you know well um,
1: I, I say uh if it's not classical it's folk music
0: right right and i love the definition of folk tra- the traditional definition of yeah. music of the people i'm like yeah. what isn't music of the people exactly yeah <laughs> you know but i love but I, that I I, I I find that there's a misconception that like you need to write broadly for a broad audience i fully disagree with that i, I totally believe you know, if you're writing that very specific story about your mother, that does not, that still makes the hair, the hair stand up on my arm.
1: I think, you know, the old saying uh, It's cliche, I know, but it's, 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 it's true and a valuable statement. Write what you know. Yeah. You know, and we all, I think, need to remind ourselves of that. It's not that you can't branch out and write imaginary things or mm-hmm. whatever, but write what you know. It'll be, it'll come to you more honestly. It'll be, it'll reach people better, easier, you know, and, and again, in a more meaningful way. And uh, that's kind of um, been my approach to songwriting. Um, this, um, two years ago, I was, uh, when I was asked to write this piece of music for the barbershop um, choir, it was this, a song um, to remember a lady who was from my hometown. Uh, who had been with the choir, and she passed away. And I didn't know this lady, uh, because she left when I was, like, eight years old. So I, you know, remembered her a bit, but I said, I have to know this person before I can write about her. And so we met for coffee, and I said, just tell me everything you can about her. And so they went on with all kinds of things, like she was a choir member, choir leader, she was... uh, gardener, she was a community-minded person, she was a health care provider and tied to her church and you know just went on and on and on and on and I didn't write anything down. I just let it all come in and when I started writing it actually came together quite easily because I felt through them that I really knew her Mm. and uh, interestingly she was from Northwest River Labrador and she moved to North River out in Conception Bay Mm. and so I started uh, writing the piece uh, with the title, and I don't do that usually. I usually the title usually comes from the lyric itself. Once you have the full lyric written, I find that you probably are like that too. You find the title in there, mm-hmm. but I just started with the title "River of Song," mm-hmm. and the song grew from there. So,
0: do you think there? Do you think there's any difference? in uh, like what you just described touches on a very um uh solid pillar of folk music which is you know immortalizing someone's life or story and mm-hmm. song and there's definitely been many a folk singer who have written stories about people that they've never known mm-hmm. uh in this case you sort of did that but there was it was his commission you were asked to do it mm-hmm. do you think that do you think there's, a, there's probably a distinction there? What do you think it is? What's the difference?
1: Well, I think if you're asked to do something, you got to find your feet. You know, like that's hence my meeting with the ladies who knew her. Like, you know, tell me about this person. Right. But if you're writing about someone you know, well, you have the foundation. Yes. Within you. Yes. So um, it's two, like, very different things. And I really was a bit intimidated when i was asked to write for someone else especially a group because i'm like who makes the decision how am i going to make 25 women happy you know mm. um so there's all that to that think committee of. element yeah yeah so yeah. where is this going to go you know i could put as you know 100 hours into it and they say as well it wasn't really what we were thinking right and um But anyway, um, yeah, being commissioned to write something is uh, probably not my comfort zone completely. But having felt the connection with this particular person because she was from my hometown, because I did remember her, I think that was like the start. Mm -hmm. But if someone came to me and said, uh, can you write a piece of music about uh, Mickey Mantle? Mm -hmm. I'd be like, what? You know, and I'm sure it would never happen. Right. So, you know, the inspiration has come from somewhere. It can be a big seed or a little seed. Right. And grows with, you know, the fertilizer you throw on it.
0: Sure. Uh, to go back to the, um, we were just talking about uh, how, um, the, the way we write, I guess, and the idea that, you know, Labrador is, is, you, you write about it instinctually it's not a it's not a decided thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think that there's an element of at least here you're a bit of a rep for Labrador I mean I think that that's fair to say I think that your your involvement your whole life has been that. How is that to balance when it comes to I mean maybe you're just trying not to think about it presumably because you don't want it to define you in any way but inevitably it, it will people will go well surely Montague is the the documentarian musically of Labrador. Or, Whatever. Well,
1: um, there's a bit of that, and I um, I guess when I first came onto the scene, I, you know, presented myself as someone from Labrador because going back to what I said about you are from the place that most forms you. And I've lived in Norris Point for 40-something years, but I will never be from there because people saw me come from somewhere. Mm. You know, if I'm shopping in Corner Brook and people say, where are you from? I say I'm from Norris Point. Mm. If it's in a broader picture and people in Norris Point ask me, where are you from? Well, I'm from Northwest River Labrador, right? Mm-hmm. So you carry both banners, really. Mm. Um, but um, it's it's a bit, uh, you know, something that I I... I identify with without having to work at it because i'm still so tied to labrador mm-hmm. and i'm still and i'm also very tied to Morne national park mm-hmm. and i always say i could not be happier um i could not be happy pardon me anywhere that i couldn't be close to nature mm-hmm. that's my it's me it's my soul it's my heart it's everything I have to have my feet on the soil mm-hmm. and uh, to have lived, you know, large part of my life and the formative part of my life in Labrador and to have ended up in Morne National Park is like, I just can't believe I was so lucky. Mm. And I'm really, really at home here in Morne, and I appreciate everything it has to offer, all the natural beauty and, uh, but I still am, very tied to Labrador, and it's important for me to go back there frequently. So, was uh,
0: that was there was that obvious from the start? I'm just uh, you know we we kind of skipped over that part of your history. But when you left Labrador, what happened? How did you come to settle here in Gros um,
1: I was uh, well, the man I am still married to um, was a student, medical student, and um, he was coming here to work for a year Uh, because he had owed some time. He'd gone, (coughs) excuse me, on a bursary program so he was coming to Grosworn and and, um, so he sort of said you should come and see if you like it here and um, you know I guess it was decision time for us like we were early 20s and we'd had a bit of a long-distance relationship and uh, without boring people too much with that but um, so when I came here it was like this is the most incredible place you know, and we're both small-town people. He's from Kippens, so just outside Stephenville. Mm-hmm. And it was probably around soon after that that we made the commitment, and uh, we did get married in Norris Point, and that's 43 years ago. Wow,
0: congratulations. And,
1: <laughs> thank you. <laughs>
0: 43 years ago, 50 years in music, all the, yeah, and, all the anniversaries. And,
1: and he is such a music supporter. He's like, you know, absolutely um you know, so committed to to music and supporting music. And I think that's been part of what's worked for us. I mean, because I've known people who've ended up in relationships where one spouse or the other thinks music's a waste of time and, you know, just not very supportive.
0: I've seen that, too. And it's a
1: shame because someone loses. And for me to have found a wonderful man who loves music, who loves to see me do what I do, who will contribute a lyric if I'm stuck and you know. Oh, beautiful. It's, uh, I'm very very lucky and uh, when he retired, he retired as soon as he could and, uh, we just made the commitment we're, we're here.
0: Wow, and, that's uh, cool I totally get that mentality I mean, I've, I've said it to artist friends of mine where it's like you know, uh, how could you, if, if someone can't accept Who you are. Because music's who you are. It's so
1: it's not what you do. It's it's who you are.
0: Yeah. You know, it's
1: a very different thing.
0: And that might sound arrogant to someone on the outside, you know. I mean it it sounds like a sort of a take take me or leave me. But I mean you kinda have to do that for anyone in life. Like Mm. if if someone's pretty sporty, they're they're sporty. I mean if you're not willing to go out for the runs with them or (laughs) (laughs) you either accept it or go with them, you know.
1: Yeah, there are certain certain things that are like part of your identity that you cannot and should not shake exactly you know whether it's sports or music or whatever you know it could go on and on crafts or you know that's it's part of who you are Mm -hmm. and if you need to uh have that in your life to be yourself and feel your whole self then somehow it has to happen Mm -hmm. because things go wrong Mm -hmm. when you can't be yourself
0: totally totally let me see if i have this uh fact right uh Back to the Ode to Labrador for a second. So you helped in the translation of that to Is that Am I, I getting that right?
1: took a part of the Ode um, and had it translated into Inuitutuk, and a part translated into Inuimon. So the two native languages uh, of Labrador were included mm-hmm. in it. And it was... Um, again like it was an inspired thing i didn't think you know like i'm gonna do this now to whatever you know win the win the population over or anything i thought this is just the right thing to do
0: totally totally i want to touch on that as as an example because that's a huge difference between newfoundland and labrador as Mm -hmm. well you know um when i was there i was in sheshi and inu run school Mm -hmm. i thought that that was Extremely important mm-hmm. because there were students who were not there because they were hunting, mm-hmm. and it it drove home to me that if this was the Avalon East School Board where I live, that
1: would not happen.
0: They would be failing out, <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. and
0: that would be mm-hmm. wrong yeah. because it's the culture, mm-hmm. you know, um, and and we don't face that here because mm-hmm. of our history with the Beothic. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still very on the surface in Labrador.
1: Mm-hmm. Very
0: much. Can you speak a little about that?
1: Um, uh i don't really know what to say to that topic but um i
0: know it's not a question it's a topic so yeah you
1: know. <laughs> yeah i think you know culturally um it's so important to respect what's valuable to different cultures and not to say that formal education shouldn't be emphasized either because i think that's equally important mm-hmm. Uh, it is, you know, 2019 after all, mm-hmm. and I think we all have to be prepared for the, the, the big world, the real world and the, the whole world, you know, and uh, but to uh, make allowances for cultural practices are um, is a very important thing uh, in in these different communities. And I think they're finding a balance between carrying on with formal education and making those allowances, which certainly keeps people more in tune with who they are and probably healthier.
0: Right. Totally. Totally. Um, yeah. Yeah. I want to be respectful of your time, of course. So I'll, I'll kind of bring it to a close with this. Um, tell me about songwriting for you right now. Are you writing anything? Uh, how, how is that view? shifted from, you know, 50 years ago when you started writing, in terms of the way you do it?
1: It's funny because the only two things I've written in the past few years have been things I was kind of requested to write, and one was the the choir piece, and the other was um, Jim Payne's project. Um, he approached me about doing this recording in partnership with the Federation of Labor, and I think it's some uh, money's involved as well. And it's to do with labor and <clears throat> a lot of it on paid labor. And so I had started a song or an idea for a song about my grandmother who, who played for dances when she was a young woman. And I thought, you know, for sure she would never have been paid mm. to play for those dances. Mm. And then she raised a big family and that's all on paid labor, of course. Mm. And so I finished that song, uh, and it's called in her day. And, uh, starts off like you know in her youth she played for dances jigs reels and waltzes on a blue accordion old-time tunes tapping the beats skin boots on her feet when she played for dances in her youth Mm -hmm. that's how it begins and again it's just telling a bit of her story of becoming a trappers life and all that Uh, pardon me trappers wife Mm -hmm. and how she lived her life hard life and uh, so I have like little phrases and, and bits of songs here and there that I may never do anything with. I, I will say, I don't know if I'll ever record again. I just find the whole current situation with recorded music is not somewhere I want to go, and you know, the whole internet um, chapter and all that is like it just it's valuable um, to, you know, present day musicians and songwriters but it's i feel like i'm kind of past that and Mm -hmm. i'm a bit of a i'll use the term organic person and i'd like to be i'd like to be able to hold the lp you know
0: totally (laughs) i mean and i would jump in and argue that it isn't i guess it's important and i i understand sort of why you're wording it that way but it's it's certainly a challenge still i don't think it's uh i don't think it's it's it generationally uh, inclusive or exclusive. I think musicians right now, I mean, I know every one of my contemporaries is wrestling with what Spotify means or what, yes, you yeah. know, I mean, the idea, it's very surface when people say it provides exposure. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me that's the same as a venue asking you to play for free because of exposure. We're yeah. all dying of exposure.
1: Exactly. Yeah, you know? Well said. Yeah, so I, I have no plans to record. I'm not saying that I won't. But I don't see it in my immediate future, and, and if I do, what format would it be? Mm-hmm. And, you know, where do I go with that? But what I do love is I love the you know the real experience with people. So just performing for people is satisfying enough. I'm always shocked when somebody wants to buy a CD. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, it's not totally dead, but it's uh, dying mm-hmm. fast. Mm. And But the rewards in the music industry for me are, you know, is multifaceted. And I'm as happy to present a stage or provide a stage is probably a better way to say it for Ian Foster or whoever. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm happy in that role. And that's what Trails, Tales and Dunes is about. It's a 10 day festival. I play two or three times in small settings. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's about what I'll all do. Mm -hmm. in in the festival but i get great rewards out of just putting other people on stage Mm. and showcasing the broad talent we have in this province and i could see myself doing that till i can't do it anymore till i forget how to communicate (laughs) that's that'll be the end of me once i forget how to communicate i'll be sitting home drinking tea and and enjoying the huge CD library that's in my house. <laughs> but, but even this moment, Ian, like talking with you, that's come about as a result of my role in the music industry, and I've enjoyed talking with you, like, very much. And Oh, I, thanks, Shirley. I, I Same just, here, of I course. I just feel like we have an immediate connection because of our past and crossing paths in the music industry. So, you know, this is the kind of uh, stuff that happens as a result of, who we are and where we are, and and, uh, so it's been a pleasure talking with you.
0: Same with you, and as soon as we knew we had a gig out here, I was like, I have to write Shirley to to have a chat, you know.
1: Well, thank you for noticing I'm still alive.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, of course, of course. And, you know, it's funny, every time I've ever felt kind of down about uh, things, (laughs) as we all get, I try to remember that, like, all these experiences and people you meet are all about music as you just put it yeah you know it's just that's how you end up these crazy journeys that's how you end up in joey smallwood's outfit (laughs) taking an honorary degree (laughs)
1: that's so true and i say you know i've had two huge rewards this year one the honorary doctorate and the lifetime achievement from the um labdorf folk art society that was big as well and extra special because it's your peers right and um but i said you know you can get all the awards in the world and nothing matches the rewards of meeting and interacting with great people in the industry.
0: Mhm. Totally. Totally. Well, thanks so much. Shirley.
1: Conclude on that note.
0: Yes, indeed. And
1: I'm going to reach out and touch your hand. <laughs> <laughs> no one can see us, but I just feel like doing it. Oh, I love it. I love
0: it. Oh, thanks so much.
1: Okay, it was great
0: wasn't she great wasn't that little last part special she did reach out and she took my hand and i love shirley so much she's a sweetheart thanks so much for listening like and subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast app rate it if you can send it around to some friends it means a lot and i love having these conversations tune in next week when my guest will be another field recording from the summer tour eric west thanks